This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What's up, friends? If you guys haven't heard of Gold Boys Wholesale and Distribution yet, you're in for a treat. Gold Boys Wholesale and Distribution is all about innovative, top-quality products, from their own clothing line to brands such as Cookies and Supreme. They have delicious CBD drinks, lip balms, bath scrubs, vape pens, gummies, you name it. They also carry their own Denver-made line of CBD products, as well as Quanta Muscle Rehab, etc., and many more. So make sure that you check them out in store. And if you can't make it out, check them out, out online today. And they'll have the product shipped straight to your door. The inside of this smoker boutique is something you have to see for yourself. It was designed to inspire, motivate, enlighten people, and it does just that. We're talking huge murals of Nelson Mandela, Oprah, Martin Luther King Jr., and so many more with quotes and inspirational sayings across the walls. It is truly one of a kind, and you've got to check it out for yourself. If you can't make it out, remember to shop online at goldboys303.com. That's goldboys303.com. And if you're buying in bulk, call for your discount at 720-372-9843, and they'll take care of you. Gold Boys, where everything is gold. All right, Mace, let's hop into the show. Welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast. I'm Zach Stevens, joined by my main man, Andrew Mason. And before we hop into the show, I got to tell you about the company that makes this all happen. That is our presenting sponsor, Strava Craft Coffee. Boy, Strava Craft Coffee is undefeated day in and day out. Of course, the delicious coffee, the caffeine kick, and... The benefits of CBD, which helps with pains, aches, anxiety, migraines, headaches, literally anything that's going wrong with your body, it helps relieve those pains. So many people in our office use it for so many different ways. And so if you want to try this out, make sure you use that magical code DNVR20 to receive 20% off. Mace, how are you doing on this Wednesday? I'm doing all right. Strava Craft Coffee has some magic to it. It has a magical code. <laughs> Broncos, of course, hoping that Drew Locke has some magic in him coming yep. up in the second start. Yep, exactly. They they certainly do. And Mace, before we hop in to Broncos, two cool things that I want to share with everyone. First, Mace, we have a new member of the world and a new member of the DNVR Broncos community. My sister and brother-in-law had a baby yesterday, welcomed in uh, Elena Lee, so, so pumped to have her, and so right before I went to meet her last night, we went to the House of Pods um, uh, Awards for the Colorado podcast. Of course, this podcast was nominated as the best 
podcast in Colorado. So, so, so honored to have that nomination. Now, we didn't win, but it was really cool to be there and, and to see that community. And I talked to people there and kind of got some insight on how many people voted for us in Mace. It is overwhelming just how much support we have. So I wanted to thank you guys so much for not only listening every day, but for going out of your way to vote for us when we asked you to. That It is so cool to be nominated, and it's, it's even cooler that we were nominated by you guys. So thank you so much, and want to give a special shout-out to those close to me who listen to this pod, Uncle Dave, Aunt Julie, and my good friends Kai and Lewis, because Mace, and, and so many more, but Mace, it's so cool that, you know, we have people in China listening, people in Africa, people all across the globe, and that's so cool, and then it's also so cool to have, you know, family members listening, so it is awesome. I'm so happy for each and every one of you that roll with us. I'm so thankful for all of you. So who says a billion people in China don't give a damn, <laughs> as the cliche used to go? <laughs> exactly. Old John McKay line, he uh, said, well, you know, there's a billion people in China that don't give a damn, and then he joked a few days later that he got letters from Shanghai asking, coach, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's the cool it's the cool aspect of this is talking to Broncos country, which has proven that it has no borders. Yep. That you could take this team and fan Loveport and find pockets of Broncos country anywhere in the world. And as always, we're grateful to you for going. Grateful to you guys for going on the ride with us here uh, on the DNVR Broncos podcast. Didn't win in the House of Pods Awards. Maybe next year. Maybe next year as we continue to grow our community. Speaking of growing the community, Mace. The Broncos may have their quarterback of the future. They may not. Of course, we've talked about just how bizarre the Drew Locke scenario has been and how how the team has treated it so weird. So that's why we've always kept in the back of our minds the Broncos could absolutely draft a quarterback in the first round next year. And yesterday, an interesting article came out on Tidesports.com who talked to Tua Tungavailoa yesterday, and he said he's not too sure if he's going to declare for the draft. Of course, we're getting a lot of people declaring for the draft right now, but they have until January 20th to declare for the draft. And Mace, in this article where Tua said he's not too sure if he's going to declare for the draft this year or go back to Alabama for another year, he said he was 50-50 right now on thinking he's going to go in the first round or slip to the second round. And that made me think of two things. The first one was, how could this guy slip to the second round? I understand the medicals, but it That's made me why. think if, how. if he is there for the Broncos, I don't care if they're picking at five or if they're picking at 21, you have to pick this guy if you don't think Drew Locke's the guy without a doubt. So that was the first thing that came across my mind. And the second thing was, if he doesn't come out, what does this quarterback class look like? And it made me think of, I don't think the Broncos have a shot at any legitimate first-round quarterback. So you don't think Jake Fromm is a legitimate first-round quarterback? Uh, he's... I would rather have Drew Locke. Let's say that. Okay, that's fair. I haven't seen enough on Drew Locke as a pro yet to kind of change my original take on him. That's why I really want to have the five-game sample size mm-hmm. here. Thankfully, th- we have that. Right. Well, as long as he doesn't get hurt. Oh, and gosh. as long as... 
the Broncos don't do something which would be extremely short-sighted and foolish, <laughs> which would be to pull Drew Locke if he struggles. Oh, that would you're right. I foolish. would probably lose it a little bit, lose my <laughs> mind. I think brain cells would die if they pulled Drew Locke at some point in the next four games. You've got to let him play this out and then take a step back evaluate the trajectory of those games and then try to project where he can go. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm Mr. Pump the Brakes guy after one game because the determining factor for me is going to be what happens when defenses game plan him and how he and the Broncos adjust. The one thing that I think you can get from last Sunday is that the speed of the game wasn't too big for him, wasn't too much for him. He didn't have that eyes as wide as, wide as dinner plates look <laughs> that Brandon Allen had at times under the rush that Paxton Lynch had a couple of years back. That didn't exist for Drew Locke, and that's a positive sign. But right now, I mean, if you told me, okay, you have to make a decision today, I'd still say that Jake Fromm was a slightly better prospect than Drew Locke. Okay, and, and and that's fair. But again, I don't. I really want to see the five games because the five games has the capacity to change my mind. On one game, I'm not changing my mind just yet. So, Mace, where does Jake Fromm rank to you in next year's quarterback class? Let's say without Tua. Okay. Um, well, I think Joe Burrow is the top, clearly. Without a doubt. If the medicals check out, it's Tua next. Okay. Frankly, I have Jake Fromm ahead of Justin Herbert. Okay. I'm not sold on Herbert. I mean, the physical attributes, as far as the arm talent, they're there. The height, that doesn't mean anything. If anything, being 6'6 can be a little bit of a a disadvantage. But then you get – but I could still see him being a first-round pick, and some teams going to fall in love with him. I just don't – I don't see the it factor from Justin Herbert – and one thing about Drew Locke, as far as the leadership goes, he does have that it factor. Jake Fromm has that it factor. Tua does, and Joe Burrow does. Justin Herbert does not appear to me to have the it factor about him. Every everything I've heard, it totally agrees with you, Mace. Yeah, and you've already had a quarterback who didn't have the it factor <laughs> that you used a first round pick on. And that was tall. Lynch. Yes, and that was athletic. <laughs> oh man, it's kind of. Getting all it's, the, you're, it's you're lining up all the X's on my report card. <laughs> so what about Justin Herbert? Here. What about East, uh, Eason Project? Okay, and man, I've I saw him make some mind-numbingly bad bad throws and decisions in games. There was a pick six he threw against Oregon State, and he just telegraphed that from the word go. He what didn't look <laughs> off anybody. That's something that's a little bit troublesome about Eason. I would actually advise Eason to go back pending what Washington does as far as its offensive coaching staff now that Chris right. Peterson has moved on. But his name is starting to come up more just because Chris Peterson did depart UW earlier this week. And, and then beyond that, you're getting the projects. You're getting it. Jalen Hurts, I like his moxie. Yeah. I wish he had more arm talent. I'd be intrigued by Jalen Hurts. Even if I say, okay, I believe Drew Locke can be the guy, I'd be intrigued by Jalen Hurts if he slips into day two. Yeah. And I could see a team saying, let's go get him late day one. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of those Lamar final Jackson. couple picks of the draft. But he's not Lamar Jackson in terms of skill set. Lamar Jackson had some unique and otherworldly gifts to him yeah. athletically. And yeah. Jalen Hurts isn't that guy. Jalen Hurts 
actually, we talk about arm talent. He's not on the par of some of these other quarterbacks, but he's got all the leadership qualities. I would be intrigued. Let's say Drew Locke shows that he has potential to be the guy, enough to where you say, we're going to hand you the keys for 2020. But you have all those third-round picks, and Jalen Hurts, say he's still sitting there when you get up to round three, which is possible. Jalen Hurts is a quarterback that as much as I like all the intangibles with him, some of the tangibles may cause him to fall through day two a little bit. So if he's there in the third round, you think about it, the risk-reward would certainly be, I think, right at that point. Maybe even in round two if you've massaged the draft a little bit and turned some of those threes into an extra two or if you've traded down from whatever your first-round spot is. There, there are a lot of possibilities there. And w- when I said Lamar Jackson when you were talking about him, I, I meant in the the way that the the Ravens traded back into the right, first round that, to draft him. Exactly. I think that's where he's he is right now, and I think he's only going to rise from there. So, Mason, right. touching all of the quarterbacks that you did, did, did we talk about every single kind of legitimate potential first-round quarterback? We hit them all. There are some that think that Jordan Love out of Utah State could sneak into there if oh, he boy, flashes right. athletic, but athletically, but he is just raw. He looks a long way away from me. So let's rank these guys a quick rank with putting Drew Locke in there as well. Joe Burrow, unquestioned number one. Mace, you were on it before anyone else, but now the entire country, the entire world is on that with you. He's number one. Number two, you have Jake Fromm, personally. Personally, yes. And three is Her- Herbert or Locke? Or where? where is that? Or even going Hurts, potentially. Wow. Um, because me, I'm going Burrow, Locke. And, and this is assuming Tua yeah. does not come out this year because Tua is my unquestioned, maybe even one, but not thinking about I'll that. I'll say Locke is ahead of Herbert for me. Okay, so you like in part because of the Locke. leadership qualities. Okay, another game, another name to keep your eye on. One I I like. I've watched a little bit of him. Um, if he comes out, is Jamie Newman from Wake Forest? Okay, potential first round guy. No. Okay. Okay. He's sort of in that Jalen Hurts category of somebody that if Drew Locke has been given the keys for twenty twenty, that's fine. But you're still looking to stock the position. Because you're always looking to stop right. quarterback. I'm the I'm of the Ron Wolf school on this one. Right. So Mace at the top of the draft, I'm going Burrow. Again, leaving Tua out. Mm-hmm. Drew Locke as the second guy. Then from Hertz, kind of three A, three B. I still have to do more evaluation to decide that. And then Justin Herbert. So Mace, this gets to the point of right now the Broncos are drafting eleventh overall. I think they're going to finish right around there, maybe 7, maybe 14. I think that's where they're finished when they get one or two more wins. But what does this mean if they decide Drew Locke is not the guy or they just really never were convinced that he was the guy since they passed on him three different times in the draft? If we look at this, Joe Burrow unquestionably going number one overall. Mm -hmm. Let's say Tua stays, so he's not an option. Come on, Jake Fromm or Justin Herbert. I'm convinced that both of those guys would go in the top 10. I'm pretty convinced they would probably both go in the top five. At least one of them is going to go. So you may not have any of the top three quarterbacks. You may be sitting, looking there at, okay, we need. if we need a quarterback, then we're going uh, Eason 
And oh, and uh, exactly at eleven. That that's exactly how I feel, Mace. So that's a reach and a half. And here's the thing about Jalen. I I just don't even want to consider him because I don't think the Broncos would ever consider him. So really, all they need is Fromm and Herbert to go before them, and then you're SOL. You're looking down the draft. Uh, I'll tell you to put this name in the back of your mental Rolodex, especially if Rich Gangarello comes back as offensive coordinator. That's Case Cookus out of Northern Arizona. <laughs> Case Cookus. I believe Scangarello was involved in the recruitment of Cookus, even though he didn't coach him. Wow. Could you could you Day believe that? Day three guy. If if the Broncos offense continues the way it has been the, the, these last couple of weeks of the season, and then the Broncos draft Rich's guy, I think Broncos country would lose it. <laughs> Probably. Um, the other thing that has to be discussed here is something that I've been thinking about, that if the Broncos decide Drew Locke can be the future, but isn't ready to be the present. Bizarre. And say, we're going to go with a veteran quarterback mm-hmm. in 2020. Mm-hmm. I hope it's not Joe Flacco. You've just got to eat that cost. I hope so, too. Did you see the video that Ryan Konigsberg put up or posted the video clip where Drew Locke just kind of slaps Joe Flacco on the rear and and Joe just keeps on going like nothing happened? Joe Joe looks like he just, the Broncos just lost a game on a walk-off field goal. Drew looks like the Broncos just won a game on a walk-off field goal. You know, it's not that Joe Flacco is a bad person, not that he's a detriment in the locker room but as we have discussed he is the wrong type of quarterback for this team in terms of demeanor energy leadership wrong type of guy so the best course of action there I think is to just swallow hard eat what's left on the cost remember you've got the cap carryover anyway so the overall economics are the same in regards to his restructure that pushed most of his value under the cap into 2020. And then you look at the veteran market, perhaps. I think the Titans will re-sign Ryan Tannehill. If not, I think he'd be right there at the top of the Broncos list. I think so, too. But I think the Titans are going to say, how's how's $100 over four years sound? Yes. I'm going to say, it sounds great. I love Nashville. So, Mace, I think that's what it comes down to. Which is less money per year than Kirk Cousins, quite interestingly. Yep. Yeah, it's true. I think that's what it's going to come down to. It's going to come down to Drew Locke, or it's going to be another veteran, and I know that scares the bleep out of so many people. Now, hey, I'm all down for uh, Tom Brady. Maybe Philip Rivers too, but I think Drew Locke is the guy. Just and say I just... no to Philip Rivers. <laughs> just say no. You know, I I entertained it a couple weeks ago after watching Philip Rivers on Sunday. He just looks done. Yeah, he looks done to me. Yeah, it, I think he needs a change of scenery. Now, I don't think he wants a change of scenery though. I don't think he wants to drag his family. Somewhere else, I think the only change of scenery he would want would be for the Chargers to somehow move back to San Diego. <laughs> yeah, could you imagine that? The, the, poss- the other possibility for Philip Rivers was close to his old northern Alabama home where he grew up, and that would be the Tennessee Titans. But like we discussed, they'd be fools to not 
re-sign Ryan Tannehill the way he's playing. He looks like a perfect fit for them yeah. right now. And Mike Vrabel wants to win right now. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't want to see Rivers. Tom Brady, I think, truly is in his decline. Now, it doesn't help that his receiving core is not what he's used to, but I think you can't deny the numbers. The numbers were trending down even before this year with Tom Brady, and they've continued that trend this year. So uh, I, I say just say no to that. So then you're talking about Teddy Bridgewater. I don't think the Saints will move on from Drew Brees, even at his age. I think the fans would would storm the facility with pitchforks and torches. <laughs> and Mace, that's where I'm at right now. My my options in my personal The only order, old guy I'm taking is Drew Brees, by the way. Okay. I, of, oh, well, that's the and, only one. And and I can I can kind of go along with that. Here's my order. Drew Locke, if he's the guy, which I believe he is, he's number one. So before you guys attack me, uh-huh. Drew Locke's the number one option if he's the guy. I believe he's a guy. I think the Broncos are way more hesitant on that. Or Hall of Fame quarterback. Drew Brees, Tom Brady. One of those two. That That's my order. It's a pretty easy order to do. I think the Broncos, though, are looking, truly now looking at either Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater or Ryan Tannehill or some other veteran if they hit the market. Jameis Winston if the Bucks uh, let him go. And that's why right now when I thought of all this last night, Mace, I'm going – Drew Locke better be the guy. They better give Drew Locke an opportunity to be the guy because they're not going to be able to draft someone next year the way it's looking right now. We haven't and mentioned I Eli don't Manning. Want Jameis. Oh, we, don't. we haven't mentioned Eli Manning. We haven't mentioned Marcus Mariota. Hey, would would Eli Manning fall into my Hall of Fame quarterback? <sighs> the Eli Manning Hall of Fame discussion. I hope that at that point in my career, I'm in the Hall of Fame selection room because. I, I don't. I'm sorry. I don't see Eli as a Hall of Famer, but it's going to be a knockdown, drag out discussion. It is because of the two Super Bowl MVPs and because of New York, right? But the arc of his career in terms of productivity, it's average. Yep. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I I'm kidding about bringing right. Eli Manning here. Unless it means Peyton comes and Eli's like the backup quarterback and Peyton's your starter. But yeah, I. <sighs> hey, Peyton's still got enough to throw to Rocky. <laughs> he certainly does. Rocky just doesn't have the hands for it. So, so Mace, to me, it comes down to Drew Locke or bust. Because I think if the team is going after any of these non-Hall of Fame quarterbacks that we've mentioned, and it's not going to be a first-round guy next year, I think I think bust is kind of what we're going to be talking about. But I think we ought to, all, all, ought to also entertain the notion that they may have wanted to get Drew Locke a couple of games this year, no matter what, unless the season progressed to the point where you had a chance to make the playoffs and that they may view him in much the same way the Oilers viewed Steve McNair back in the mid-1990s when he played a couple of games at the end of his rookie season, a couple of games at the end of his second year, and then came into the lineup his third year. That they may look at these starts here at the end and see a step forward to get him experience but may not be comfortable with him starting in 2020. That said, we've we've tossed out a lot of veteran options. Some are palatable. Some are not. <laughs> the option that, to me, is not palatable is Joe Flacco. Ugh. 
I don't think it's palatable to anyone outside of that building and probably a lot of people inside the building. Yeah. If it wasn't apparent to them inside the Broncos facility that Joe Flacco was just the wrong guy, I don't know what they were watching. I have no idea. They weren't watching this team this year. They weren't. They they're just blindfold and and they they're going off the idea that hey we we adjusted his contract so he's under contract next year let's keep him accept the sunk cost and move on yep. if they do go veteran the name I would keep my eye on is Bridgewater yep I I think I think you're spot on with that Mason we got to tell the good people about the damn good beer over at Breckenridge Brewery just down the street from us here Mace and the one I want to tell you guys about today is Colorado Core. Because today the weather's finally warming up a bit. Feels like a fall day. And boy, that's when Colorado Core really hits to the core of your body. And hits to the core of the apple. Because it's got a little apple flavor, a little champagne, a little beer. It really is the perfect fall beer for wherever you are. In Colorado, in New England, that's a perfect beer for New England. Out in San Diego, the perfect beer. It is so delicious. It is it's one that you can sip on for a whole night or... It's one that you can crush many of. So make sure you check out Colorado Core. Uh, also check out the sampler packs that Breckenridge Brewery has because it is fantastic beer. You cannot go wrong. And I also need to tell you about Denver Rubber Company because we know how supporting local businesses in our blood. And that's why we're super excited to tell you about DRC and may not be what you think it is. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. Since 1972, Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing, and custom hoses. And guess what? Snow is coming, and we've certainly already had a taste of it. You'll need Denver Rubber Company when it comes to anything snow plows. DRC can cut to size and pre-slot most snow plow rubber. The blades can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet your exact specifications. We went and checked out their warehouse a few weeks back. Let me tell you, it was nothing short of amazing. These guys have created proprietary materials that make up the inside of wind turbine blades. And we even witnessed machines that cut material that are used in bulletproof vests. Remember, Denver Rubber Company custom makes it all. And you can purchase products for yourself and, of course, buy bulk at a fantastic rate. They're a family-owned business with loyalty only to the people, just like us here at DNVR. So be sure to call them today for any snowplow needs, custom gaskets, hoses, etc. at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com dnvr and make sure you tell them who sent you. Mace, speaking of supporting local, let's jump into the questions and talk to the people. Yes, as always, let's go take the pulse of our listeners, find out what they're thinking, what they're saying here. I think first one's coming in from Chicken Joe. What's up? I have to say I was always of the belief that Joe Flacco and Brandon Allen, to an extent, were holding back Rich Scangarello as he has shown flashes of brilliance. However, he does show similar amount of boneheaded decisions. Do you guys think Rich can show enough by the end of the year to keep his job? If not, who are some early names to keep on an eye for for offensive coordinator in 2020? I'm interested to see how a Vic Fangio and John Elway clash would play out, but I think John has learned his lesson with VJ, and I think Vic would be interested in a modern spread offense. Keep up the great coverage. It almost feels as if I'm in Denver, even though I live in Texas. That's exactly what we try to do, Chicken Joes. Bring Broncos country everywhere. Wherever you are in the world. Um... Good question on the offensive coordinator. I think Rich 
can save his job easily, and I don't yes. think that the Broncos want to let him go. Yeah. However, the overall trends are just not promising, and the fact that you have an offense that, for the first quarter of the game, is one of the best in the league, and then for the other three quarters of the game is the worst in the league yeah. over the last eight weeks, I think that's a huge concern right now. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't want to change the scheme again. However... You're also looking at where they see things with Drew Locke. Do they think he's ready to be the guy? And our earlier discussion about whether you're handing the baton to Drew Locke or whether you're saying, okay, wait a minute, maybe we're going to go with a veteran here, I think that's going to play into it as well. I actually, to me, the ideal scenario would be for Rich Gangrel to be the quarterback coach. I just, he's got the chance to grow, but the thing that I see from him that frustrates me is I don't feel like he has great in-game instincts for when to be aggressive, when to pull it back. I feel like his feel for that seems to be wrong more often than right, and that's not something you're going to be able to coach. That's something that generally you either have or you don't. Exactly, and Mace, this is his job to lose. I mean, he's still in command of his future by by no means. He doesn't have to do anything spectacular to keep his job. And don't forget, with coaches that were brought aboard this year— they're not in a situation where they have expiring contracts. You'd have to eat some money. Right. And when you have 19,000 no-shows and each person who's not there costing you 50 bucks a pop yep. and you potentially have some big no-show counts coming for the next two games, the Broncos are going to be a little bit stretched. Yep. And they don't want to eat any more contracts. That's a really good point. Next one from Wilma Fingerdew. Guys, what a name. What? Fingerdew. Finger, exactly. Fingerdew. <laughs> Guys, what an exciting time to be a Broncos fan. I get the feeling that Drew is going to play well enough to earn himself a shot next year, meaning we'll be attempting to build around him and bolster some holes on the roster. Our biggest needs are going to be corner, receiver, and offensive line. I'm of the belief that you have to that you draft offensive linemen early and often, especially with a young quarterback. With that being said, what position of those three would you like or recommend for the Broncos to address in the first? I'm praying for a real NFL left tackle. Thanks again, gents. Go Broncos. Well, if the Broncos play well with Drew Locke and he's the answer, first of all, I think you you want Drew Locke to be the answer just because you don't want to spend more money on the quarterback position than you already are. Yep. So if Locke is the guy and you win another couple of games the rest of the way, that takes you out of the top 10. That probably takes you out of the Andrew Thomas, Tristan Wirfs discussion at tackle. In that case, I would like to see them pursue Anthony Costanzo from the Colts if Indianapolis does not re-sign him. Think of him as a two- to three-year solution at left tackle. Then maybe from 10 or 12 or wherever you pick, I'd be open to a trade down if you could pick up another two or three in the draft, move down a few picks, get my center, Tyler Biotish, from out of Wisconsin, preferably. Uh, he's the one. I know I keep coming back to him, but I like him a lot. And then load up on day two. Maybe take some of that day two capital, get back into round one, pick another player. It doesn't have to be a quarterback. It can be a wide receiver. It can be a corner. can be anything. You can – I think there are ways to get where you want to go on the offensive line even if you don't have the ability to take a franchise left tackle in the top 10 because of how you do down the stretch. I'm going best offensive lineman available. 
boom, simple. I'm not reaching on any position, and you're going to get a darn good player Well, there. frankly, I think Biotis is the best offensive lineman in this class if he chooses to come out, but you're not picking a center that high. The value on that says that you can pick him middle of the first round. Right. I, I like him better than Thomas. I like him better than Worfs. And if you're sitting there in the middle of the first round, that's right. what I'm talking. Yeah. Next one from Dexter. I'm at a place of confusion, and I could use... Oh, wow. Just got a new comment. And I could use your guys' help. Are the problems we see on offense, keeping in mind the fact that the Broncos are fourth overall in the first quarter, yet last overall in the second half, something Skeins can learn? Obviously, the potential is shown, but not fully realized. Is it a problem to be fired and fixed or a lesson to be learned? Well, I think the thing to remember in the first quarter is that that's where you're operating off the script for the most part. You're anywhere from 12 to 18 or 20 play script the typical number is 15, goes back through the decades of Bill Walsh and the various branches of his coaching tree, and um, several steps down the tree is uh, Rich Gangarello, but he is part of that tree, even though he never worked directly for Bill Walsh. Again, the feel for the game, the feel for game situations, that's something that it's hard to learn. That's something that you tend to either have or you don't have, and I think with Rich Gangarello, he's very good at designing plays. He's very good at making a plan. It's, again, can he figure out what happens when it's off the plan, and I have my doubts. Yeah, and the doubts are legitimate, very legitimate. Yeah, you can't deny the lack of production after the first quarter. Carpaccio Chris. This one's awesome, Mace. Yes, this is my favorite comment of the day. No offense to anyone else, but means a lot. It makes me happy as heck that the, the community that DNVR has created and it has only been elevated by the likes of Zach, Ryan, and Mace. With that being said, DJC15, you have all of our support, and if you ever want to talk Broncos or anything really, I'll drop my email and we can get in contact and chat up. You're not alone, brethren. And then he leaves his email for you there, DJC15, mm -hmm. in the comment section. So make sure you check out Carpaccio Chris's comment there. Man, that is so cool. I mean, get, giving me goosebumps. That's what this community is all mm -hmm. about. We pride ourselves on being a place where people can come and, and have a great time, roll with us, and, and be a family here, and also feel safe here. And that's this comment section is one of the few places on the internet where... You can, you can be safe and you can say what you think and you're not going to, going to get beat down for it. And this is just such a cool one because it's the complete opposite of what the internet's all about right now and it's so uplifting. So thank you, Carpaccio, We Chris. need more of that. At least make our corner of the internet yes. uplifting and happy. Sausage Senga Harry, with all this talk of changing OC next year, I am a bit concerned. Is it not detrimental to a young quarterback's development to be ch chopping and changing offensive systems too often? By no means am I supporting Rich at all. I think he is trash, but I'd like to see some stability for Drew as to not derail him like other QBs who've been put in bad situations by their team's management. Ideally, a system that suits his skill set and stick with it. Well, if you do make a change, it has to be a multi-year change. Right. And it has to be focused entirely on what helps Drew Locke achieve his potential. Or to unlock his potential. <laughs> there we go. Per se. And Mace, that's why I think that this is still Rich Gangarello's job to lose, even though it's been rough, is because John Elway said that this year. He said, we need offensive stability. And that's why I think they're really going to have a very long leash with him. Now, can if he the snap offense that leash? Yeah. If the offense doesn't move, it's stable. It's staying in the same spot. But this is the problem. 
It just isn't moving enough. It's not effective. Right. So I'm not saying it's right, but I think John's going to have a much longer leash than Broncos country with Rich. I think so, but they've also... Rich has also got to show... No, I agree. ...that he'll uncork Drew Locke a little bit. Yep. Because I think John Elway wants to see Drew Locke turn it loose. Yep. Take the restraints off. He, for a lot of reasons, not the least of which is to start finding out what you have in Drew Locke. Yep. You're not going to learn about him if you keep the training wheels on. If you just throw him behind the line of scrimmage every play. Oh, my god! Next one from Bronco Born, Bronco Bred. With Chris Peterson stepping down from Washington, think that the Broncos could tempt him to come out of retirement for an offensive coordinator job. I know that he said he's stepping away from football, but we've seen this time and time again that football guys get out of it, then realize it's in their DNA. I know before he was a head coach at Boise, he always was an offensive side coach. If he coaches in 2020 in the NFL, it's only as a head coach. It will not be as an offensive coordinator. Dallas Cowboys, you're getting a lot of buzz around him, too, as a head coach. Yep. Brian, do you think the Broncos use the franchise tag this offseason? So Chris would be an option, which they won't do. I think this is all about Justin Simmons. Justin said, yep. If you get a contract done with him by February, no. If you don't get a contract done with him, I think they're playing tag with him. Yep, and because like we've talked about, eleven million dollars, or maybe it's around twelve. That'll be that'll be a bargain for him, right? Because he might get fourteen million dollars on the market if he goes out there, and it might be what the Broncos have to pay him. So, if you have to franchise tag him, it's less than you'd probably pay him otherwise. Yep, and that's just a bargaining chip that the Broncos have that Justin Simmons doesn't have. Mile high bottle maker with Jawan James's lack of mental toughness. Is there an out on his contract? Just curious as to what happens when they are deemed healthy but refuse to play. Does does he lose game checks or do they keep on cashing? Thanks, guys. Love the show. What do you think, Mace? I, I... The outs are on disciplinary okay. things. Would not be in regards to the team saying you can go and the player saying no, you can't go. And the bottom line is in today's NFL – the player is going to get a lot of latitude if he says he can't play. Right. Now, back in the pre-free agency days, the prehistoric days of the NFL, I think they probably could try to get out from it, but this is 2019 into 2020. There's not an out there in this regard. Jawan James will be back with the Broncos next year, and you are hoping that they can realize some of that value in the contract because – to cut him would actually mean he costs you more under the cap in 2020. Otherwise, you'd be lo- there's no cap savings to cutting Jawan James. It would cost you the sweet tune year. of 19 million dollars yes. in cap money ah, if you cut no. him. So he's on the team whether he's playing or not. Next one from Bronco Born Bronco Bread Mace. Random question for you: Since I was too young to pay attention to spreads during the Tebow season, I was curious: Did Vegas constantly set the Broncos as large underdogs with him? Now that I pay attention, and all I can't imagine that they were respecting his run. All right, now you can go back to current Bronco talk. All right, so I saw this question last night, and I took the liberty of looking this up. Love it. During the Tim Tebow era as starter, particularly focusing on the 2011 season, the Broncos were... Let's, they were favored. It's actually easier to count the number of times they were favored compared <laughs> to underdog sure. here. Let's see. So he's, so 13 starts here, and they were favored one, two, 
three, four times. Against two? They were favored at Miami, okay. at home against Chicago. Okay. Wow. Remember questions about Jay Cutler, whether he would play or not. He didn't yep. play that game. Yep. At Buffalo. Okay. At home against Kansas City. So what is interesting is with Tim Tebow, they were favored four times, and three of them, they did not cover the spread. <laughs> yeah, that surprised me. They, they were, were underdogs the rest of the time. And what's interesting in the six Sundays of Tim Tebow, that six-game winning streak that they went on from the Raiders game to the Bears game, they were underdogs five times, seven and a half at Oakland, three and a half at Kansas City, six and a half at home to the Jets, five and a half at San Diego, one and a half at Minnesota, which is amazing because think about that. There, they came in on a four-game winning streak against a Vikings team that was 2-9. and nine, And the Broncos <laughs> were underdogs. No belief in Tim Tebow. I got to thank ProFootballReference.com for keeping track of these point spreads. This is a great tool for something like this. The other thing that is interesting, Zach, is in the regular season that year, the Broncos were home underdogs four times which is the second highest total for Pro Football Focus's database. It goes back to 1978. Okay. So four times underdogs that year. The only times the Broncos were underdogs more often at home in the season were the seasons before that, 09 and 2010. They were underdogs five times. This year, Zach, the Broncos have been home underdogs four times. Unless the Raiders can turn it around, I don't think it will be five. Yeah, the way the Raiders are right now, probably not. But you're right. They could be. Boy, that's something else. That just shows you where the team is. Yeah, and again, so if they're underdogs for either the Detroit game or the Raiders game, then the Broncos will set a franchise record, at least going back to 1978, with a number of times in which they've been a home underdog. It's not a good record. No, it's not. And Vegas comes to their lines with a lot of wisdom. Yes, they certainly do. Onion booty, Bronco. <laughs> I want to be on the lock train. My mind is telling me no, but my body, this dusty old burlap sack of bones, <laughs> is telling me, yeah, uh, yes. I think it's the invisible Gucci sack he straps over his shoulders after throwing touchdown passes. That's winning me over. What's the deal with that celebration anyway? Does the QBR algorithm take this metric into account? Come to think of it, have there been any Broncos quarterbacks before Locke to have celebrated in such boisterous fashion? <laughs> Not with a clear routine. Now, I mean, you've had some big-time celebrations from, say, Jake Plummer, Tim Tebow. Yep, you, you got Tebowing. Yeah, Tebowing, but that's not boisterous. Right. No, very not. It's very a much signature so. visual, him right. taking a knee, but it's not boisterous. Boisterous? It... I like that. He's putting his Gucci bag over him. <laughs> well, if he plays well, you can say that's Gucci. <laughs> right. <laughs> Next one from Iceman. Hey, boys. First off, congrats to the AP and USA Today. Number 25 United States Air Force Academy Falcons finishing at 10-2 and two in the Mountain West Conference. Go Zoomies. It's time to go bowling, it's boys. It's too bad they're in Boise State's division because I would much rather watch Air Force and Boise State in the Mountain West Championship than Boise State and Hawaii. Yeah. No offense to the Rainbow Warriors. Yeah. Who I... are coached by a former Bronco camp quarterback, Nick Rolovich. Mm. And actually was with the Broncos 
through an offseason and was sent over to NFL Europe, I believe, back in 2003 Wow! by the Broncos. How about that? Derek does not owe the Broncos a second. HT discount, they certainly are not going to get a second. From Chris Harris Jr., just saying, give me Wolf over Chris every day of the week and twice on Sundays. Stan would not be allowed to own two of the NF- of the 32 NFL clubs. Miss RK, as always, go lock Broncos DNVR. He's referring to a hometown discount there. Oh, yeah, yep, yep, you're right. So, yeah. He doesn't owe the Broncos a second hometown discount. He may well give it. And it's possible, Zach, that the injury increased the Broncos' chances of getting him back because it depresses his market, his market value. If he plays the rest of the season, he might end up with 10 sacks. Yeah. And someone will pay beastly. him. Beastly. Yep. Hey, Nick Scott, I think you might have missed my comment. Or maybe I didn't get it in in time. No big deal. Here it is again. I think it can really help some people. Have a good one. I have a hint that may be able to help people out. If you don't have direct TV or just don't want to pay for the Sunday ticket in full, find someone you know that has a college email account. They have a student subscription that lets you get the Sunday ticket for just $100. All you have to do is sign up with that college email and say that you don't have access to direct TV at college, and boom, you're in. I've been doing it for three <laughs> years now. Oh, I love that little life hack. Yep, this comment section is where the people hook you up. But don't forget, if the game is on TV in your market, if you do this, you still have to watch it on TV. Mm, good point. You won't be able to watch it through the DirecTV Sunday Ticket app because they'll black out the local games that are airing in your market. Exactly. Dan Burke says, Mace, well, I agree with you that a burner receiver can be found later in the draft. CeeDee Lamb is truly one of a kind, and the DeAndre Hopkins comparisons are 100% spot on. If he's there when we pick, I'm seriously considering If he him. comps to DeAndre Hopkins, is he really one of a kind? <laughs> oh, boom. I'm just saying. <laughs> and I like CD Land. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> they could still get a speed guy on day two. Another name to watch out for is KJ Hamler from Penn State. Medical history and his size is slightly concerning, but dude is one of the most dynamic playmakers in football. Just a few other things that I wanted to get y'all's opinion on. Was listening to the fan yesterday, and a few things stuck out to me. Cecil mentioned that the Broncos love Jeffrey Okuda and would find it hard to pass on him if he's there. Also, DMAC mentioned that Elway is frustrated with Scangarelli. This was confirmed by Benjamin Albright on Twitter. However, Ben also said that he expects Scangarello to get next year. He's getting the benefit of the doubt, Scangarello. But this is the first time I can say that the ice is getting thin for Scangarello, even with all the struggles. Jeffrey Okuda, look, if the Broncos win two more games the rest of the season, they're not going to be in the Okuda marketplace because he's not going to drop that far. And so, Mays, my question to you is, what team doesn't love Okuda? Good question. I, I mean, I imagine everyone loves the top players. And he plays one of the core four positions, quarterback, pass protection, left tackle, edge rusher, corner. And here's the thing. Justin. John and Matt Russell were down at, at that Michigan-Ohio State game watching him. But they were also watching other people as well. Sure, certainly. And K.J. Hamler from Penn State is one of those players they're taking a look at. He had three catches for 45 yards in that game. Uh, that Penn State, of course, lost in Columbus. Moving on to Brian Boz, a couple of comments. You guys gave me a Bradley Chubb. <laughs> Thinking about J.J. Watt on the defensive line with Chubb and Miller. Also, Mace, you just described the jerseys I sent to RK to ask him to send them to you. I think you'll love them. I already know Zach will. Probably the uh, discussion of Broncos uniforms. Yep, yep, I think so. I think so. And Mace, imagine this. Bradley Chubb, Von Miller. J.J. Watt, and Chase 
Young, all in the Broncos' front seven. Broncos better lose the next four games, then, if you want to talk about Chase Young. <laughs> well, well, maybe they lose 47 to 46 every single game. So Drew Locke's your guy. You love Drew Locke, but you know what? Von Miller doesn't play the rest of the season. You let all these other new guys play on defense, and uh, the offense scores, but the defense can, can't stop them. If I were Chase Young, I'd be starting to research restaurants in the New York New Jersey metropolitan area. Mm, for which team? The Jets? Giants. Giants. Mm. Jets have already won four games. That's It just blows my mind. They are the first team to lose two games in a season to teams that entered 0-7 or worse. That were winless when they played them. Right. Yep. That That's just what... That's why I think the Jets are much worse. But four wins, that's incredible. But the Jets beat the Giants. Yeah. Hey, not a bad place to go, Chase and, and the interesting thing with the Jets is they're 4-5 and five when Sam Darnold starts, but those two losses were with Sam Darnold at quarterback. <laughs> that is, that is, that's crazy. Oh, my goodness. Maybe if Chase Young ends up in Denver, he'll join the DNVR community. Just got to trade up for Chase Young. Oh, yes, you, you, you would have to, but maybe John makes that move. And then Chase Young joins the DNVR community just like we want all of you guys to do. Has Paul Patrol copyrighted the phrase, Chase is on the case? <laughs> Those who know. have little kids will know exactly what I'm talking about there. Because you'll have all sorts of fun with the name Chase, the name Chase on Chase Young. Especially when they play the Redskins and Case Keenum is their quarterback. Chase is on the case. Nah, it won't be Case Keenum. <laughs> no, no, it, it certainly won't be. And Mace, before we go any further, as you guys may or may not know, taking care of your teeth is pretty darn important. And that's why we got to tell you about Green Mountain Dental because they are giving away a free Sonicare when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. That's right. You simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental Group to hand over a free Sonicare. Check them out online or call them at 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. All right, Mace, with our clean teeth, who are we talking to next? Let's go to Am I Right? Yep. Or Amarillo? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I think I got that right. I think you did. I'm inclined to agree with Mace about pumping the brakes on Drew Mania. While I'd love to see the kid light the world on fire and be the next John Elway caliber franchise QB for this team, through one start, I don't feel we know much more about him than we did one week ago. The two touchdowns being the major bright spots were the result of one, an amazing catch by Sutton, and two, a short field. Again, taking nothing away from his performance, but Skangs has got to unhandcuff him, toss him in the deep end, and let him sink or swim. Any JV quarterback can execute a handoff on dive three plays in a row. Can we please truly unlock Drew? I, I would love so. to. I will, I'm all down for it. Yeah, I think I would hope that there's a conversation, whether it's with John Elway to Rich Gangarello or uh, or with Vic to Rich and just saying, we, we've got to see what he is. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid because you know what? If Drew fails, that's not necessarily you failing. But if you fail, Drew, then you're gone. And if you fail, Drew, you're also failing the franchise. Yep, because you need to learn about Drew Locke. And it is essential for this franchise making its 2020 plans to learn all you can about Drew Locke. And that means taking 
the safeties off. Yep. Yep. Just take those training wheels off. Yep. Let's see if he see if he rides on the bike or if he falls. Yep. Andrew Karachi. Hey guys, responding from yesterday. There are a few reasons I guess I have an attachment to Plummer over Manning because, like you said, Mace, Manning took two playoffs from us. Also, I feel Peyton was a Hall of Famer before he came to Denver. Obviously, Plummer is not a Hall of Famer, but you can argue that when you look back at his career, he's a Bronco. Not saying that Manning is not a Bronco, just never felt right cheering for him. I still did. Also, Plummer played for Denver when I was back in high school, so I was way more emotionally invested. When Denver would lose back then, it would destroy me. I'm not sure if that answered your question, and I'm sure I had some run-on sentences there. LOL. I think faster than I type. So so sorry. I get where you're coming from. Actually, you sort of hit on something with being in high school. When you're young, there's a little bit more of an attachment there. Mm -hmm. The other interesting thing with Jake Plummer, you look back in his career and say he's a Bronco, but he had just as many playoff wins with the Cardinals as he did with Denver. Mm, So really— In Arizona, I think they'd say Jake's a Cardinal. So Andrew's hurting— uh, Peyton in the in this discussion for one that he was in high school and I and I totally get that but two that he was a Hall of Famer before he got here he was that is a good point but he burnished that he went from being a Hall of Famer to being an all timer right. in Denver the other interesting thing Zach is even though Peyton Manning did not play in Denver for nearly as long as he did in Indianapolis he went to the same number of Super Bowls in Denver as Indy won the same number of Super Bowls in Denver as in Indy and had one, the best season or at worst one of the two best seasons of his career with Denver. So peak Peyton was in 05 with Indy and 2013 with Denver when he surpassed his previous standards. So it's interesting. The other thing with Peyton Manning, if you can't beat him, hire him. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, the Broncos did. They couldn't get past Peyton Manning for the most part. I think they beat Peyton-led teams once. I believe that was in 2003, Week 16. That was the Quentin Griffin game. Mm. Fans may remember that one. Mm-hmm. Quentin Griffin running wild on the Colts. And then two weeks later, the Broncos got blasted. <laughs> so. Where does Peyton Manning live now? Denver. What games does he attend? The Broncos games. And Nuggets games. And, and Nuggets games. And uh, if you Google Peyton Manning, the first pictures that come up are him as Broncos, not Colts. You know what I'm curious to see? What? When he goes into the Hall of Fame, what picture they use outside of Tom Benson Stadium in the Hall of Fame to promote his pending induction because remember how it was a big kerfuffle a few years ago when junior Seau's picture was from his time as a patriot yep not a charger yep yep could be very similar i wonder if they'll let peyton choose maybe he'll find a picture of him doing a commercial and he's just (laughs) kind of like greg maddox went in the into the baseball hall of fame with a blank cap Mm. because he didn't want to slight either Atlanta or the Chicago Cubs. Yep. So he just went with the blank hat. <laughs> yep. Oh, I hope he's in orange and blue. That'd be so cool. Samuel B. Sue checks in. Hey guys, I think the best way to go forward is continuity. We need to let Vic keep teaching his defense, keep Munchek building his line, keep Rich developing as an offensive coordinator. Give Drew the whole offseason and home season to learn. 
I see real promise in every face of the team. We just need to get a little patience and let them work together. Who won the contest with the Nuggets? Did the Broncos beat stay undefeated? For all of you who have not subscribed, you are missing out. My favorite article of the week is Andre's Game Grades. It gives you a very detailed look at how each player and coaches did. It gives a different perspective. Keep up the terrific work. I really appreciate it very much. Well, thank you, Samuel B. Sue. It was a perfect time for you guys to hop on board. Look, Samuel B. Sue said it, not me. It was code Zach, Z-A-C, code Mace, M-A-S-E, or code R-K to help us out. I not quite sure if the competition's done, but if if not, help us out right here. It definitely is wrapping up soon. And Samuel Bisou made a great point. You don't just get our work, RK, Mason, Zach. You get Andre's grades. They're so fantastic. He breaks down film like no one else, and that is truly something you can't get anywhere else. You know what? Um, I have a friend who I appreciate him joining the DNVR family this past week, and he said not only did the Mace code work, but he also got the cyber um, Monday or Black Friday discount mm. with two t-shirts as well, so mm. you get the best of all worlds. So jump on with us now. Yes, please do. Lone Star Bronco. I almost said it like uh, Dark Helmet did in Spaceballs. Lone Star! <laughs> Here's your old movie reference for the day. Possibly an unpopular take, but here goes. Maybe Elway was right. Chris Harris Jr. has not seemed like the same player this year. He is still a very solid corner, but he has taken a step back. If Elway had signed him to his three-year deal, imagine what version of Chris we would be getting in 2021 and 2022. $3 million is a small price to pay in the grand scheme of things to know for sure what a guy has left. It may have saved a large chunk of money in the long run. That being said, I really like Byron Jones out of Dallas. Jerry is not going to be able to pay everyone I could see him being let go. He'll be pricey, but do you see him as a target? Hashtag lock and load. Yes, I do see Byron Jones as a target. The other name I would throw in there is James Bradbury from Carolina. Either one of those two, I think the Broncos will take a long, hard look at, especially if their draft position puts them out of the Jeffrey Okuda sweepstakes. And then you spend money on corner and left tackle potentially in free agency, and then you address receiver, interior offensive line, and this is assuming that Drew Locke's guy in the draft. If you can go young quarterback, whether it's Drew Locke or, yes, whether it's somebody else coming in to compete with him in the draft. Here's the thing. If Drew Locke is the guy for 2020, great. But I really want them to take a quarterback at some point in the draft and keep taking quarterbacks, keep taking shots. Let the competition play itself out. Look at the Jaguars. They didn't think they needed a quarterback. They had Nick <laughs> Foles. Yep. Gardner Minshew could be their man of the future. Yep. You keep taking shots at some point in the draft. If there's value there, you keep going after. You keep looking for the quarterback. Again, Case Cookus, if Scangarello is back, is a name I keep my eye on. <laughs> Minnesota Paul. Boys, just wanted to chime in with some important information. The 49ers tried a tight end end around with Kittle this weekend against the Ravens. Guess what? It resulted in a loss of yards. I think Kyle Shanahan and Rich are in a race to see who can run their first, the first successful tight end end around. Please, someone win so this contest can end. Sometimes you end contests without a winner. Sometimes <laughs> there's nothing but losers, and I think that's the case with the tight end end around race. From our friend, the count, Mason Zach, I love your honesty. Mace is unlocked from the Braun Corporation. You two make me smile every day. I've got... Five <laughs> problems, but you gents aren't one. Love the count. And count, you always sign off with love, and we love you right back. Right back, action. Man. Next one coming in from Jay Harrison 16. Fellas, I bought a Drew Lock jersey on Cyber Monday. 
He said that in all caps. And three exclamation points, (laughs) I just hope he doesn't play like Brandon Allen in game two and three. Drew, please don't make me regret a $90 purchase. I'm going to be eating Honey Nut Cheerios for the next week's dinner. Oh, man. (laughs) For your sake, I hope it works out, but (laughs) don't buy the jersey of the guy after one game. (laughs) Well, he couldn't have bought it in the team store because those aren't there. That's true. You have to buy it custom. Yep. I did make it enough. <laughs> it's oh, crazy. Oh, my there are, goodness. There are so many ways that Drew Locke has been slighted by the entire organization. It's mind-blowing. Because remember, he's not an undrafted guy. He's not Brett Rippian, as uh, the head coach would call him. He's the second-round pick, the guy that, Drew, uh, that John Elway said that he was the future. I think that the Broncos promotional arm is kind of has been instructed to pump the brakes. Uh-huh. On the Drew Lock train. Coming from a guy that has spent many years with the organization. That's how these <laughs> things work. But every organization works this way. They happen in Carolina too. This is part and parcel of team owned media. And look, I say this as somebody who worked on that side for a long time. One thing I learned about my own habits and one thing that compelled me to join the dmvr.com is I realized in my personal consumption of sports coverage as a fan of North Carolina basketball. I went to USF and Mizzou. I went to basketball camp at Carolina was when I was a kid. That's why I'm a fan. Tampa Bay Lightning, the Atlanta Braves. I never read stories from team controlled outlets the only thing i used the team controlled outlets for were was roth stuff like the schedule a transcript video of press conference right so i realized that okay how can i really be doing this when i don't i'm not really on board with it it's not something i'm 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 pumping out a product that i couldn't that i didn't really want to sell right so i'm in a better spot well mace I can speak for everyone. We're pumped to have you. Yeah, likewise. Alaska Preston. Hey, guys, just a question concerning the secondary. I'm a huge fan of Jackson, Simmons, and Parks. With the latter two in a contract year, is there any chance both are retained? Could either of them make a transition to corner in the case Chris Harris Jr. leaves in free agency? I know it's common for old corners to switch to safety. Is there any precedence for that occurring in reverse? Thanks for your time. Simmons got a brief look at corner back in 2017. Actually had a pick six in Miami. From the corner position, that said, it's not something that's ideal for either of them. Would not surprise me if both Simmons and Parks are back. The thing with Parks is, does somebody value him as a starter? And kind of like Shaq Barrett. Exactly. Where he says, I love you guys, but I want to go I want to go spread my wings. Because he's not doing that with Simmons and, and Parks. And if someone comes up to Will Parks and says, we see you as a starter... I think Will Parks moves on. And, Simple as that. In and that case, he'll also him. get more money. No, yeah. you, you can't blame him. But it would be, be a friendly, it would be a understandable parting of the ways. Next one from Bumpy Buffalo. Hey, guys, everyone is saying go with Costanzo at left tackle if we aren't drafting one, Mace. Now, what do you think about <laughs> DJ Humphreys? Is he four years younger? He is four years younger, is stable, not going to say great, but is a huge improvement over Bulls. Consider this. Since 2016, he has less total penalties than Bulls had this year, granted a couple of shorter years. With his limited history and coming off his rookie contract not being a huge name star, I think we could get a team of him fairly team-friendly deal for two to three years, and that would solidify the line. Thoughts? 
Well, with DJ Humphreys, he has a chance to be more expensive than even Anthony Costanzo just because he's younger. Potential is what teams pay for. Yeah. If you buy into the pro football focus rankings, and I think they're a good tool, not the be-all, end-all, but a tool. Anthony Costanzo, veteran, closing in on his 10th, 11th season in the league. Anthony Costanzo is number three among offensive tackles this year. Allowed uh, three sacks, three hits, 17 hurries, according to Pro Football Focus. What about DJ? DJ is ranked 40th in that same category, Mm. but has allowed only one sack, one hit, 23 hurries. Part of that is the escapability of Kyler Murray. Jacoby Brissett tends to stay in the pocket a lot more, so there are going to be more sacks allowed in Indianapolis than there are in Arizona. You know, DJ Humphreys would remind me a ton of... Who? Juwan James. In terms of why would a team... If he's good enough, why would a team let him go? And uh, that just... That scares me too much. Maybe not the injury history there, but you're going to... Here's the thing. Juwan James, according to Pro Football Focus, when he's played, he's been average. He's been an average left tackle. Literally middle of the pack. And the Broncos had to make him the second highest paid right tackle in NFL history. And when they signed him, the first highest paid NFL tackle in NFL history. So that's how much you overpay. I think a similar thing would happen with DJ Humphreys. The other thing also with Anthony Costanzo, I think why, another reason why I like him better, even though he's probably a shorter term solution, like two to three years, think kind of a younger Andrew Whitworth. I like that. That offensive line needs some leadership. Ron Leary is probably gone. I don't expect the Broncos to pick up his option just because of his injury history. I would agree. I think Dalton Reisner is a leader in the making, and he's kind of the leader of the young core. But I'd like to have one older veteran. And the other thing with Costanzo, if the Colts don't bring him back and you say, oh, well, why aren't they bringing him back? Because you can say the same thing about why the Cardinals wouldn't bring back D.J. Humphreys. The answer with Costanzo is age. Same as it was for Whitworth with the Bengals. It's not that he isn't good enough. It's that he's on the wrong side of 30. Right. But the wrong side of 30, if they're still healthy, and Costanzo has been a very durable tackle. Maybe not the greatest scheme fit, but I think Mike Munchak can get him on the same page, get him where he needs to go. I have no doubt about that. And I just, I don't want to worry about left tackle. I'm okay. I want to look over at left tackle and have confidence in that guy to know that he's going to protect whoever is at quarterback, that he's going to help his team, not actively hurt his team. And Costanzo fits that bill. I'm okay with paying elite money for elite players. I'm not okay with playing elite money for average. Yes, and, and the Costanzo Broncos is were. playing at a, He's played at a, a good to very good level. You, Some would say he's even having his best season this year. Yeah. So think long and hard about him. The count isn't a Shanahan offense usually beset by an O-line that pulls and moves and stunts and misdirects. Why did we think it was okay to run that with a line anchored by immobile and goofy-footed tackles? If we want to continue our archaic journey of West Coastery, we must go heavy O-line in the draft. Love, right? Love the count. Yeah, but the interesting thing with the Shanahan offense is that those offensive linemen that often succeed in this scheme were mid-to-late round picks and took a year to develop. Yeah, it's true. And boy, I, I speaking speaking of this— um, the Broncos claimed a center 
who spent his rookie year last year with the Pittsburgh Steelers under Mike Munchak. Maybe, maybe Mike identified him as a guy, and now he's going to groom him for a year or two. Maybe Mike identified him as a guy, or maybe he just said, hey, this guy, I've worked with him. Let's give him a shot. Let's see where he goes. He said that he doesn't have goofy feet, so let's bring him in. <laughs> He's also a uh, former teammate of Austin Schlotman. Mm. Both played at TCU. And now they're both getting a shot, man. The Horned Frogs <laughs> or the Horny Toads. <laughs> Next one coming in from the Real Links. No game ball, no recognition after the game on the team site, no coaches talking about how well he did. Shoot. <laughs> John has already decided Drew isn't his guy because, hey, he looks very good as a franchise quarterback should, but he did well when he wasn't under center. In other words, he's good, but not for the system they want to run. Why are you matching the player to your system instead of matching the system to your franchise quarterback? Thank you. <laughs> B, they are trying to discipline him to not be the center of attention by giving him recognition only when he wins the way they want him to. WTF. C, they aren't considering what he does from last Sunday to the end of the regular season a good enough sample size to base any future plans off it. Vic Fangio said that. D, they're sticking to the development project they wanted when they brought him on in the draft, and they still sit him for likely another year. Because while this has become a lost season, the next one hasn't been lost yet. I hate to say it, but D is probably the most likely answer. Uh, where he's on the bench next year? Behind a veteran? Oh, no. If he does that, I'm saying he's not the guy. No question about it. That would be awful. E, they want to project his good performance against the Chargers as his floor to get more in a trade with the Bengals when they trade up to get Joe Burrow. Let me just let me just be the first to say that all but one of these methods is of thinking is intelligent, and I want to know why they might be wanting to do this to Locke. Have a great day, Broncos country. The links. All right, let's move on to Swedish Bronco, who responds to a comment that we got yesterday. Brian, as I said previously, billionaire money is almost always dirty, not always drenched in blood. I'd prefer Gandhi, Trump, Bloomberg, or any other billionaire billionaire over Abu Dhabi State Oil Fund. What I really want is the club staying in the Bowen family. And yes, I'd agree on that. You want it to stay in the Bowen family, and hopefully Brittany, Brittany Bowen can be that Bowen. That said, no, I do not want Trump anywhere near the Denver Broncos. Whoa, yeah. If you want half the fan base to flee... That's the owner you get. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next one coming in from Casey Spy. What's up, DNVR fam? I'm a lurker who's been listening and subscribed for almost a year, but almost never comment. Well, thanks for commenting. I just wanted to drop in to echo crazy maniac sentiment from yesterday. As a Casey Spy, I can confirm that my friends who are Chiefs fans are very excited for their true son, Locke, to be getting his chance in the NFL. Anyway, with Locke's homecoming in KC in a few weeks, I wanted to ask y'all, do you think Locke will bring some extra fire to the game against the Chiefs? Will he be that extra element that we've been missing in the last eight losses against Kansas City? One last thing. We have to get a little meetup going before the game for our DNVR fam here in KC. I'll comment closer to the time to set it up and keep your eyes peeled. Anyways, thanks for everything, gents. Keep up the great coverage and keeping and keep on locking and rolling DNVR fam. Oh, KC Spy. Love yes, that. I do think that... Uh, Drew Locke will bring extra fire to that KC game, which would just make it so fun and could make the rivalry so great for years to come. And that's so cool that you're going to set up a little DNVR KC meetup. We need to kind of get working on these meetups and kind of make them more 
organized. I'd say that's kind of a goal for later this year and then like that game, but even in the next year, is to start yeah. taking these meetups on the road because, yes. as we know, the DMVR family is all over this country and maybe even beyond if the Broncos get a game <laughs> in London. Wouldn't that be awesome? It would be. Bad 188. My dudes, I've been laying in the cut and just watching and listening in the shadows for most of the season. The frustrations of watching Flacco and Allen had me really down and out. I've been praying that we see Locke this year, and oh boy, did those prayers get answered. It is great to hear from Reisner, Simmons, and Lindsay say how much they enjoy Locke's leadership style and his ability. This is exactly what we all knew about Locke when he was drafted, and I'm glad the younger stars are following him. My one wish for this team has always been to draft a franchise QB and build around him. That is something that Denver has never been able to accomplish. Locke showed us all some flashes on why he can be that guy on Sunday. I am looking forward to the next four games, and I honestly hope this kid wins out or finishes with three or four wins. Missed you all, and I will chime in more and more now that the future is here. P.S. Why aren't we seeing Winfrey at all so far this year? I thought he'd get some playing time due to how we trade up for him late in the draft. Ya boy, bad one. Count Loculus says, <laughs> The Winfrey Walker deactivations make me throw my hat old <laughs> That's orange and blue 760 <laughs> reference. I like that. <laughs> Mace, should we be seeing Juwan Winfrey? Especially with Deshaun Hamilton playing the way he is. I think Deshaun Hamilton's drops. Now, that be are a concern. That being said, do you want to take his confidence further? But this is a bottom-line-oriented game, and Deshaun Hamilton has had the chances for plays, and he hasn't capitalized. Man. I think you do take a look at Juwan Winfrey. I hate saying this. I like Deshaun a lot. But I think you take a look at Winfrey. I think so. at this point in the season, you have to do some evaluation. And that's a guy that you traded up for in the draft because you liked him so much. Uh, you really reached on him, too. So you might as well see what he's got. We talked to him yesterday when the Broncos revealed their My Cause, My Cleats um, yesterday. And he, Mace, as a talent, as a physical specimen, he's great now, of course. Paxton Lynch was also a physical specimen, so I'm not just giving it to anyone. But also at this point in the season, for a wide receiver, a young guy, find out what he's got. Maybe I mean, he doesn't have to be your second wide receiver, but why is he not active? Maybe that just says enough. What's interesting is that he was good on special teams as far as he a, was. a gunner, and I'm surprised that he hasn't had that role. Look, he's kind of raw. There are probably some mental mistakes involved, but yep. get him out there. Start finding out. I You're 4-8. What's the harm? Completely agree. And Mace... That'll do it for us today. Zach Stevens for Andrew Mason. Got it right this time. We're headed out to Dove Valley. Make sure to tune in to thednvr.com today for your most up-to-date uh, going on with the Broncos. Thank you guys so much for rolling with us. We really, really appreciate it. Have a fantastic hump day.
driver is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have referred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. 